0: Hey, I want to talk to you this morning about the roots of Christmas. As we find ourselves in the midst of the hustle and bustle of another Christmas season, it's relatively easy to get caught up in all of that and miss the depth and the wonder of the greatest love story ever. We've been singing about it all morning. Our familiarity with the story of Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus and the manger can keep us from appreciating this overwhelming demonstration of God's love. Embedded in the roots of Christmas is a love of God for the whole world. That is so great that the creator chose to become the created. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the word made flesh. That whoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. Isaiah prophesied that when Jesus came, he would have no beauty or majesty to attract people to himself. And sure enough, in 1 John 1, it says Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him right into our day. That same kind of relational distance and misperception about Jesus still continues. But listen, that little baby in that manger 2,000 years ago grew up and lived a perfect life. He was tested and tried and tempted in every way just as we are, but Jesus never missed the mark. Instead of sinning, he chose to live in fellowship with the Father through it all. And then Jesus laid his life down to destroy the right for sin to keep us separated from God. And when he rose from the dead on the third day, he broke the power of sin and death. That put the ball back in our court. John 1:12 says, "To all who received him, to those who believed in His name, he gave the right to become the children of God." The amplified says it's stronger. Listen to this. But to as many as did receive and welcome Him, He gave the right. The authority, the privilege to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. So the initial key to recognizing Jesus is receiving him and welcoming him. Interesting, that word for receiving means to get hold of something offered. So that identifies this receiving as a choice in response to God's initiative toward us. Every time the Christmas season rolls around, we get to experience and witness some more of the creative, subtle brilliance of God's initiative towards us as he sows truth and love like a farmer, wide cast seed. You know, in the summertime, seventh inning and many baseball stadiums are filled with people singing, God bless America. Now that's a patriotic song, but that's more than a patriotic song. That's a sneaky God moment. He's got... (laughs) He's got stadiums full of people saying, God bless our country. And he says, I hear that. I hear what you're saying, and I will do that. In the Christmas season, people all over the world start making Christmas plans, and everywhere you go, Christmas songs are being played. It's in the stores. It's on the radio. uh, It's in the elevators. It's everywhere you go. There's Christmas music, and there's songs about Jesus being openly played. At times and places where you're not supposed to talk about Jesus or it might not be okay, it's everywhere right now. It's saturating the environment. There's Christmas lights, there's signs, there's even nativity displays that are visible in our community. And although there is a lot of Santa Claus mixed in, this season isn't called Santamus. It's called Christmas. And we know Jesus is the reason for the season, and he's the Christ part of Christmas. In the office this week, we were talking about that. And Julie mentioned that she'd heard a song, a popular old song on the radio, and she heard some lyrics in it that she had never heard before. And we got looking into it, and I want you to listen to the third and fourth verses of Gene Autry's 1947 classic, Here Comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows... We're all God's children. That makes everything right. So fill your hearts with Christmas cheer because Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. He'll come around when the chimes ring out that it's Christmas morning again. Peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above because Santa Claus comes tonight. Come on. 75 years old song. I listened to the two-minute and 25-second version that Gene Autry released all those years ago. That is the third and fourth verses. I mean, how creative is God? Even in the song, here comes Santa Claus, he's getting the truth and getting the message into the song. And that we're all God's children line remind me of some what Jack was sharing last weekend. Jack spoke about God's desire for all of us to move from just being aware of God to being in a personal relationship with God, all the way into living in fellowship with God. And Jack tied that to the idea in Isaiah 43, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. And Jack called that God's righteous selfishness. Ephesians 1 tells us that long before God created the heavens and the earth, he had each one of us in mind as the settled focus of his love. Before God ever said, let there be light, he'd already made up his mind about every one of us. And here's what he decided. I choose you. 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 Before he ever said, let there be light, we were chosen. And beyond that, God set each one of us apart to be holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Now, that being true, God was not caught by surprise or put in a bind when Adam and Eve broke the one rule in the garden. Do anything you want, but don't eat that tree. Broke the one rule. Way before that moment. God had a plan. and Before any human ever showed up on the planet, God had an all-in plan about the Savior of the world. Revelation 13 identifies Jesus as the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Let that timing sink in. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. The original Greek is graphically clear. Jesus, from the founding conception of the creation of the world, was already a sacrificial lamb butchered for sacrifice. That's the roots of Christmas, and those roots are meant to produce good fruit in our lives today. In an atmosphere saturated with everything Christmas, the words of Isaiah five, fifty-five, six, and seven still ring out loud and clear: Seek the Lord while He may be found; call on Him while He's near. Let the wicked forsake their their way and the evil their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he'll have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Now, of course, any time is a good time to seek the Lord. But in these verses, the Lord called us to a specific kind of seeking. There are two main words in the Hebrew that are translated seek. Most of the time, seek means to search out by any method, Specifically in worship and prayer. And that seek even includes the idea of self-initiated striving. But in Isaiah 55, the Lord used a different word for seek. That means to tread about, to frequent, usually to follow after in pursuit of or in search of. And it can also mean to seek and ask, specifically in worship. So the Lord put a spotlight on the kind of seeking he hopes to provoke in us in response to his initiative toward us. Responsive seeking is eyes wide open, heart wide open. It's an act of faith, because faith comes by hearing, that then gets matched up with our obedience. Responsive seeking is choice after choice, to follow hard after and in pursuit of God. And it's another expression of living led. Responsive seeking is consciously, frequently, and habitually choosing to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. It's about living submitted to Jesus and in step with the Holy Spirit as we walk and work out each day in partnership with God. I say this a lot, but I I just want to say it again. I'm going to encourage you to quit trying to do things for God. Do things with God. What happens when we try to do things for God is a lot of times it's our idea of what we think God would want us to do, but it wasn't his idea, and his ideas are the good ideas. And what I've found is you can do things for God, which is better than not doing anything at all, but typically what happens when you're doing things for God that he hasn't led you or prompted you to do, but you're just doing it for him, you'll end up getting burned out and mad at God because he's not doing for you what you thought he should be doing because you did for him what you thought he wanted you to do. Let me recommend to you, with God, with God, every day, every day, the Lord prepares in advance good works for us to do together with him. That's the place we want to be investing our time and our efforts and our energy. Each of us being able to live like that, that was established with the roots of Christmas. And that's the rest of the story related to the first advent of Jesus who came to die for all so that all might live. Those roots create a fuller context for those of us who recognize and receive and believe in Jesus' name. They also create a fuller context and a yet-to-be-discovered truth for people who are pre-believers. As we grasp and understand the roots of Christmas, then we get better connected to the right, the authority, and the privilege to become Children of God, who consistently choose to believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. If you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not only do the roots of Christmas connect it to the right, the authority, and privilege to become children of God, who live like that, the roots of Christmas also draw us in to the responsibility to no longer live just for ourselves. Instead... We get to live for the one who gave himself for us. And as we do, that changes the way we see and interact with other people. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. The Passion says from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. The New Living Translation says we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. The message says we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. As we embrace our right to be and to grow into fully mature sons and daughters of God, part of that process involves changing the way that we see God and the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see other people. God wants us to see with his eyes. He wants us to feel with his heart. He wants us to be moved by his compassion so that we can be his hands and feet in whatever situation comes our way each day. In order for that to happen, God knows our perceptions need to change because he knows better than we do that our perceptions shape our reality. It really is so unhealthy to constantly live in judgment and evaluation mode. The truth is that reveals more about our insecurities than it does about the people that we are evaluating. It's also a double bind mistake because it feeds our pride, which pushes us away from God because God resists the proud. And it also pushes us away from other people because no one enjoys being around someone who acts like they're above us. Remember, there is one judge and it's not us. And that one judge, God, decidedly placed a high value on human beings before one ever existed. One of the truths that Franklin likes to teach is value is determined by the price paid to purchase. Value is determined by the price paid to purchase. The roots of Christmas affirm that we've all been equally bought at a great price by the shed blood of Jesus. And the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And we're all called and invited by name to participate in the first and second greatest commandments, loving God, loving people. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When we surrender the control of our lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we get the opportunity to experience life now as a new creation. We don't have to wait for the next life to live that way. And we can really live that way now. This is how the passion describes new creation life. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, I love that imagery, enfolded into Christ, his life wrapping around us and consuming who we are. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, they become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order is vanished. And then in the footnote, it says, That would include our old identity, our old life of sin, our religious works trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. They're they're not just reformed and refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. So powerful. Completely new. Along with all that, God has also given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's not all about us. He's doing something in us that is not meant to be contained inside of us. And so he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. And one of the core values here at Impact is about all of us being ministers. The truth is we are all in full-time ministry. A few of us inside the walls, most of us outside the walls. The message says God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. And now God gives us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. The Amplified says it was God personally and present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up or holding against people their trespasses, but canceling them. The roots of Christmas reveal what God had already done as well as what he's still doing. And in his sovereignty, God created the only way that could ever keep our sins from being counted against us. He paid the price in full for all of them, and he did it himself. And then Jesus rose again to prove it. We sang this morning, joy to the world. When you catch that, what God did, he paid the price in full for himself, in himself for all of our sins. That takes joy to the world up to another level. Last night when we were singing that song, and then again this morning, the line in there, let every heart prepare him room just resonated in my spirit. I want to I throw out a challenge to us for the rest of the month. Let every heart prepare him room. Whatever you know about God, whatever you experience, whatever you've seen, don't just coast through the Christmas season. Open up your heart and prepare room for God to show you something, to do something that you've never seen about him before. Let every heart prepare him room. <laughs> God's desire is for each of us to be the carriers, living examples, and ready purveyors of this incredible good news. The Amplified says, God has committed to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration of favor. Once we ourselves have been reconciled to God, then we have the privilege and the task of helping reconcile other people to him as well. I love how the message (laughs) describes that task. God has entrusted us with the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. God has entrusted us with a ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We can't force or make people go through the door. That's not our job, and that's not how God works. It's not our job to guilt them into giving their life to God or to use any kind of coercion. Instead, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, as he leads us and with the words and actions he releases through us, we get to share about what God has done, and about what God is doing in us. And then we extend an invitation and open the door. Such a beautiful ministry, the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and though God, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is a high-level diplomat, sent as an authorized representative and as Jesus' ambassadors, we have been given permission and entrusted with the authority to speak on his behalf. It's God's plan to use people like us to encourage men and women and boys and girls from every tongue, tribe, and nation to be reconciled to him without any exceptions. The Message Bible says, God uses us to persuade them to drop their differences and enter into God's work by making things right. Man, if there's ever been a time for that message... We're living in it right now. Drop your differences and get things right with God. We would not have been charged with the message on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, unless it was possible for everyone to do it, no matter what. Anyone can be reconciled to God because God has done his part. And God is more than willing and he's waiting and he meets each person right where they are, And then that supernatural moment opens up into an incredible, living, active journey with him for the rest of this life and for all eternity. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the outcry of the roots of Christmas in a nutshell. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to notice again, there are no disqualifiers in that verse. And that was God's plan from before time as we know it began. Before any person was ever deceived, before anyone ever chose independent disobedience, before any of us ever knowingly or unknowingly sinned, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And because of that, every one of us, as well as every person we currently know and every person we'll ever meet, we all have the same invitation and opportunity to become the righteousness of God in Christ. We can all be and live as new creations, freed from the old, released into the new in real and tangible ways every day. As we recognize and receive that and as we believe and confess the name of Jesus, his love will compel us to live and move and demonstrate this reconciliation through our lives. Lives that are to be filled with good and beautiful words and deeds. Jesus' love will also compel us to literally be living expressions and examples of the amazing ministry and message of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring into agreement and harmony to bring into agreement and harmony. Our world so needs to see and hear about this wide open opportunity through people like us. In fact, all of creation is waiting in eager expectancy for the mature sons and daughters of God to be revealed. When Jesus came that first Christmas, he chose to empty himself of the eternal glory that was rightfully his, and he came to live among us as a human being. He set the example of what human life can be. Remarkably, he came to serve and not to be served. And he spent himself and poured out his life in love for us. And now he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell and to work within us, to teach and guide us as we learn to offer ourselves in what at times can be uncelebrated and hard service in alignment with Jesus' example. We know that no act of love or mercy, however small, ever escapes God's notice, and we also know that our God is a rewarder of acts that are done in secret. Beyond that, every time we reach the end of our own best efforts, there's God right there with another dose and another blessing of his incredible grace to pour into our lives. All of our labors and efforts are tied to seeking to love and serve God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. They're also an expression of our calling to be witnesses and ministers to other people in their times of need. Bottom line, they're acts of obedience to Jesus' command. And remember, Jesus said that whatever we do to the least of these, turns out we've also done it to him. So with continually surrendered hearts and lives and with a living anticipation of Jesus' return, and the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let's live in step with the Holy Spirit as he adjusts and sometimes even changes our perceptions, dreams, and desires. And let's receive his encouragement and comfort as he shapes us. The phrase Eugene Peterson uses called long obedience. As God shapes us with long obedience that refines and purifies the love that we have for God the very roots of Christmas affirm and testify this is our destiny, it's our place, it's our purpose. Through our lives, God wants to release his hope and his future to the world all year round and all the more so during the Christmas season when he has so creatively seeded and saturated the entire atmosphere with the message of the coming of Jesus. Not only words of life and truth, but also with a pervasive sense of expectancy. Let's stand together. Jesus, again, we just want to thank you for what you did for us. And I thank you that even now, you ever live to intercede for us. I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. I thank you that we can become the righteousness of God in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I I pray you would work in our hearts, that every heart would prepare more room for you, that you would fill us fresh and new in this season, that you would strengthen us to the core of who we are, and you'd fill us to overflowing, in your light and your love would just flow out of us every place we go and everything we do. Lord, use us to bring people to the kingdom. And this month, we'll run into family members and friends that need to know you. But they need to see you alive and well in us in an attractive way that makes them think, I gotta have that. I gotta have that. So Lord, do it in us and then use us as a light to bring others to you. Thank you, Lord, for trusting us with this ministry of reconciliation. Let us live it in ways that bring honor and glory to you. You deserve, you deserve a people living on the planet right now living like that. And we want to be some of those. Thank you for the opportunity we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.